Hello and welcome to the Matt Belair podcast. As an explorer of the mind and world, author and coach, I have spent a lifetime learning how to push my limits and achieve my highest potential. My mission is to bring you the most inspiring, conscious, and empowering teachers, leaders, and thinkers on the planet. To bring you stories, lessons, and messages that will help you master your mind, body, and spirit. Thank you so much for listening, and I hope you enjoy today's episode. Hello, beautiful soul and magnificent citizen of planet Earth. What a privilege and honor to be with you again today. We have another fantastic episode for you. We have Skylar Jett on the podcast, and we're talking about music for global change. Uh, Skylar has been in the music industry forever. He is very accomplished. He's an award-winning, Grammy-recognized vocalist. He's a humanitarian. He's the founder and CEO of Music Can Save the World and Kiss Records. Um, You're going to hear more about it in the bio in the podcast but he has accomplished a lot he's recorded with some of the biggest names in the music industry that everybody will recognize so he's a really incredibly accomplished musician but he's talking about how music can change the world how we can use the music to inspire global change and i absolutely agree so we talk about modern music that can be used for brainwash we talk about songs for global change how lyrics can change the world why racism is stupid which it is uh the music for global change movement, um, why the music industry is currently in peril, synergizing instruments around the world, after school programs for music, um, and some other in, uh, amazing stories that he shares. So this is a jam-packed podcast. I know that you're going to love it. Thank you guys so much for listening. If you want to support, please share this episode, take screenshots, let me know you're listening on Instagram, uh, Facebook, all that kind of stuff. Reviews and iTunes are great. And uh, thank you so much to all my patrons. If you want to toss a buck in the bucket it helps immensely just go to patreon.com forward slash matt belair and uh even a dollar a month really helps if uh, a small percentage can do it so thank you so much it it saves my butt more often than you know um so thank you so much to paul timmermans uh for tossing a buck in the bucket i really appreciate you and um yeah but the most important thing that you can do as always is to do one kind act today if you enjoy the podcast you want to support just do one kind act in your community today i also want to give a shout out to my sponsor, my partner, the Himalaya Podcast app. Are you listening to this episode on Himalaya? If you are, congrats because you're already using the best podcast app out there. If you're not, you're missing out. Whether you're a podcaster or a fan, Himalaya is designed with you in mind and has a ton of cool features like curated, shareable playlists and collections made just for you, along with personalized recommendations to help with content discovery. And I use it all the time. Um, You know, I listen to Joe Rogan and Graham Hancock. That's been a mind blower. And I also have been listening to a little bit of Russell brand. So make sure you go over there. I love using the app. Um, now as a little hack, I usually turn it on to 1.25. Uh, 1.5 is a little bit fast for me, but 1.25, I can really blast through a lot of content, get a lot of really interesting things in there. So make sure you give the master mind, body and spirit show a follow when you are over there. Um, for those of you guys who are interested in coaching, I'm going to make it short and sweet. I've developed some coaching programs specifically for those of you who are looking to discover your life purpose 
purpose, your soul mission, and move towards creating a life that you do not have to escape from. This really is an all-encompassing, holistic coaching program where we look at all areas of your life and give you tools, strategies for uncovering your life purpose, your soul mission, if you don't know what that is, even if you've never even thought about it. Um, you just got to go through the protocol. It's just that we're not trained on how to do that. And then giving you tools and the right strategies to begin creating massive momentum to create that and make it into reality. And so the people that I've been privileged to work with, they range from DJs, CEOs, athletes, musicians, um, everything. But the protocol is really the same for peak performance, goal setting, and all that kind of stuff and doing it from a way, from a state of contentment. So that is really the key. So um, if you're interested in that, hit me up at mattbelair.com forward slash coaching. Or if you want me to do some training for your staff, for your organization, or to speak, or you want me to do a training for a group of you, a group of friends, a watch party, something like that, just hit me up at matt at zenathlete.com. And I can share a lot more of the programs that aren't on my website. And um, we can explore basically um, everything from consciousness, peak performance, flow state, mindfulness, and everything in between that you learn about on the podcast. So that wraps that up. Um, let's come into a state of peace and coherence. Oh, I forget to say sign up for the email list and the free lucid dreaming at my website too. Um, keep up to date. I'm not great at sending out emails, but I'm trying to get better sending them out here and there. So um, that's it. Uh, thank you guys so much for listening. So let's come into a state of peace and coherence wherever you are in the world to stop what you're doing. Taking a deep breath in through your nose. Hold that breath. And just let it out slowly with all the cares and all the worries of the day coming to a state of peace, energy, empowerment, ready to take on the rest of the day and this incredible episode with Skylar Jet. Hello and welcome to the Mastermind, Body and Spirit Show. I'm your host, Matt Belair. Today's guest is an award-winning Grammy-recognized vocalist and one of the most sought-after singer-songwriter and background vocal producers in the music industry. His impressive resume includes some of the biggest recording artists of our times. His accolades include receiving Grammy Award embossed plaque from Naras for singing with Celine Dion on the Grammy winning hit song, My Heart Will Go On from the blockbuster hit film Titanic, which also won record of the year. He has recorded and performed with legendary stars such as Stevie Wonder, Ray Charles, Jennifer Lopez, Sting, and many, many others. He is a humanitarian and the founder and CEO of Music Can Save the World and First Kiss Records. Welcome to the show, Skylar Jett. Blessings, Matt. Thank you for inviting me. This is a wonderful opportunity. And uh, it's always awesome to talk to another humanitarian. And so uh, this, this is uh, really fun for me. And it's an honor. Ah, thanks, man. Well, I really appreciate uh, you coming on the show. And when I started to look in your work, it's like peeling layers of an onion because when that phone call came in, you talked about um, work in Africa, you're doing so many different things. You've been around for a very long time, um, doing some really incredible work, um, really inspiring stuff. Um, why don't you give the audience a little bit of background on, on who you are, some of the amazing things you've done in music and some of the things you're working on right now? Well, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm an avid singer, songwriter, and producer, and turned into a humanitarian about 15 years ago because I saw the plight of what's happening with the lyrical content with the young people. And so I saw that there was like millions of love songs, but there weren't that many of humanitarian songs. 
And when I was a youth back in the 60s, I watched the young people stop the Vietnam War with music. And if you ever get a chance for all the young people just listening, go look at Woodstock because that was about uh, stopping the war. Yes, it was, it was fun and, and you know, you know, maybe half a million people showed up, but the, it was the young people, it was the hippies that wanted to stop this war. So they start writing lyrical content about how they can stop the war. And that needs to happen again, right? So, uh, you know, I promote uh, the human sound over computers. Uh, the internet's only been here since 1996. So if you imagine all the kids after 1996, most of them only know computed music. And it's wrong to me that we don't pass the, the human sound, real instruments down to young people so they know what we felt, at least the people that's been here before computers. Because all those, all those pioneers for us got us to where we are today. You know, with computers, you know, if you unplug the computer, you ain't got no music. But you can go get uh, acoustic guitar, acoustic piano, acoustic bass, and you can still make music. So, you know, unplug that and really go plug, you know, go, go and grab some, some, some instruments and get in a room with a lot of people. Because what's, what's fun about it is the, the spontaneity, being spontaneous. Uh, and that's what you get from the human sound and the emotion, right? And I say this all the time, with the computer, you have to go program your thoughts into the computer and then read it back and go and edit or whatever you have to do. Well, if we get up on stage, we start making music right now, that's coming directly from source, from our heart, from emotion. And you, you're using this instrument for your sound. I say it all the time, if the bass player didn't show up back then, we didn't have bass. The drummer didn't show up, you didn't have drums. Today, man has outdone himself with, uh, with these computers and the instruments because now he believes that he's an or he can orchestrate himself, right? And some people, you know, are better at different things. That's what makes us unique. You know, some, some people were born to play bass. Some people were born to play drums, right? And we need to celebrate all this music that got us to this place. Yeah, I agree. I think you touched on a lot of really important elements because I think there's subtleties to it as well. Like when you go to a live performance um, and you have, you know, humans doing it, um, when, when they're actually performing, a lot of things can come through that actual experience, you know, with the crowd and the performance, it becomes something else. And especially something like I never, I've never been to Woodstock. It sounds incredible, but I imagine, you know, the people's energy with the, with the musician's energy becomes like a whole new thing. It kind of transcends just the original song that they're, that they're singing. And also the process for youth to learn with others. Yes. You know, to learn an instrument, to um, cooperate with other people, to synergize with other people, all very important elements, rather than we're in this kind of like, I think you're speaking a little bit about the isolated society, big, huge headphones. We start with these small ones, a big, huge headphones, hat, looking down, don't talk to anybody around me. You know, we're creating in these spaces. There's a place for it, but there's also a really big value with working with others. Absolutely. I mean, when you go see a band, a live band, and everybody's playing a different instrument. Imagine a child out there and they're going, whoa, what is that? 
I, I want to play that, right? How, how do I learn to play that? But if you go see a DJ, he got headphones on, he bobbing and weaving his head, and that's boring to me. They got to go get lights around him and dancers and all stuff. No, put, put, put a band up there on the stage so these young people can see what that feels like. It's a different feel, too, you know what I mean? Once you push that button, everything is mixed. Everything's the same, right? But if you go see a band, you know, and like I imagine taking a 10-year-old child and I want to build a band around this child. So, so say I'm doing a demonstration, I go, okay, uh, let's bring some drums up on stage. And we start kicking out the drums. Let the drummer, because see what's cool about the drummer, and when he come up, you know, he's, he's putting all these instruments in front of him, you know, bells and whistles and, and, and cymbals and, and toms and, and floor toms and everything. Like, he set all this stuff up in front of a 10-year-old child. Because if we keep going the way we're going, the child's going, hey, I got drums right here on my keyboard. Why do I need a, a drummer? Right? And that's why a lot of people's out of work. And so the, the, you set the you set the drum up, right? And and then this guy gets some some sticks and his, his arms and legs is moving. And whoa, that the kid's like, wow, right? So I wanted to do a demonstration where I bring a kid up on the stage, and you have like, you know, a, 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 a computer, you know, somebody with their, you know, studio room studio. Hey, hey what do you want to hear? I want, you want to hear some drums? Yeah. And he go program some drums. Now everybody in the audience is going, hey, that's cool. I let that go on for about two minutes and I go, hold on, stop. Then I, I say, point the light up there at the entrance. And so I want this guy to walk in with the drums. Now all the older people in the closet go, hey, now that's my stuff there. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Yeah, that's what I come from, right? And you walk in and he comes up on the stage and takes, takes him out of the case and they start putting this stuff up. And the 10-year-olds look at him, wow. What is that? It's the same drums that was in that computer over there in the corner, right? But this guy gets up, start doing that, and then I let that go on for a minute. I go, okay, you want to hear some bass now? And I ask some guy over there pro program the bass on with the drums. I let that go on for a few minutes. Then had the bass player come in, and he's struggling trying to bring this big old amp down, bound down. <laughs> Try to get it up on the stage and stuff like that, and then, and then he got, then he got all these wires and stuff. He plugged it into this big old box, and then he pulls the bass out. And that kid is watching that thing, and his fingering on that. Whoa, what is that? I let him play by himself for a minute. Then I put him with the drummer. But I want to set the kid right in the middle of the bass drum and the bass amp, so he can feel it in his feet. It's a different feel. See what I'm saying? And it's underneath his feet. And that, that vibration from that is crazy, man. It's beautiful, right? I'm going to do each instrument like that. I play, play it on the computer. Then bring in the trumpet player. Take it out of the case. All that. I want him to see it's each instrument. I'm going to build a whole band of earth, wind, and fire around him. Okay? He'll never want to look at a computer again after that. Well, well, you know, when you, when you share that um, story or analogy or, or whatever you'd call it, it makes me think about just like, it seems like you take the soul out of the music and that's where you come from. Like, that's like your history. You live through all of that, you know, that, that era. And there's, there's such history in music and, 
and different music for different times from different cultures and different experiences is so powerful. And it's almost like, you know, kids are getting the easy way out not in a, you know, in a way where it's like teach a man to fish, you know, then he can fish for a lifetime. You just, you give him a fish and now you're giving him the drums and you're, you give him all these things where there's a place for that, but you're also losing some of the history, some of the soul, some of the culture. And it feels like that's a little bit of, um, you know, what you're speaking about. And I'd be curious to hear like, you know, what was it like, you know, back in the early days, we, we talked a little bit before this, I just watched the green book and I was like, you live through that. You're literally playing music through that. And that movie was so good and so interesting. If you guys haven't seen it, um, it's basically a, about a black pianist going, what, was he like the 1920s, 30s, 50s, 50s? I what era it was, but, but I mean, if you look at, you know, I want these kids to go back and, and look at these musicians before computers, right? And, and, and see how talented these people are. Because you can go to music school all you want to all the colleges and all the stuff like that and learn all the technical stuff. But there's people that can learn that and play and they're great. But there's some people that's born to do it. That's a different sound. You know what I mean? Yeah. And you're looking at Stevie Wonder and James Brown and, you know, Barbara Streisand and all Elton John, all these people, they came up from a youth holding on to this instrument making their own sound out of it. That's a trippy thing because you can give somebody a bass, but everybody has different fingering, you know? And, and it's a trip because you know you can go listen to the radio after you heard Jim, Jimi Hendrix, you can go listen to the radio and put, 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 put the radio and go, hey, that's Jimi Hendrix. Now you're not looking at him, right? We didn't have no videos back then. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But, you, but certain people got a certain sound that they made with that instrument and that made their sound. And see, uh, the most high, uh, our vocal chords, everybody has a different, your, your, your sound is your sound. If I get, I can, I can look at you right now and then I can take off for a week and call you. And I, hey Matt, I'm not looking at you, but I know your voice. And that's your signature, like your fingerprints. So your voice is your, is, your, is your print, right? And so work on that. And, when, I, when I'm going and producing uh, vocals for kids and stuff like that, I tell them before they, they come in to work with me, turn off the radio for two months before you come work with me. Because I don't want to listen to who you're studying or who you're trying to sound like. I want to listen to you, your sound, your tone, and your feelings. You know what I mean? And so for all, you know, yeah, do it out there, sing it top 40 and cover songs. That's all cool. But who are you? Who's inside of you? You know, we need to see who's inside of you. So I teach lyrical content. I, I teach it. But now the last 15 years, I go out and teach young people how to write lyrics about how to heal, educate, and solve problems. Could be around any instrument in the world. But I want you, I, I want you to talk about community. Because you can, you, can, you can do that all day long, uh, 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 do love songs and stuff like that. But I challenge them. Is, is there something in the world that if you could, you could change? Right? You know, that, that's, a, that's a trip. Hold on. Is there a way to pause it? Is there a way to pause it? No. 
My, my son's brought his friend in. Wait, That's what? okay. You can, yeah, if it's live, this is part of the fun. I can, okay. I can edit it out later. Okay, okay. <laughs> yeah. Wait, wait, hold. Shidori, yeah. be quiet. I'm on. <laughs> you can bring I'm him in. Be quiet. <laughs> <laughs> oh it's part of being a dad. It's okay. You, you, you get in the house. Yeah, yeah. no, that's, that's fine. I've had I've had kids walk in before, so it's totally cool. Yeah. So so it's it's really important, man, uh, for the young people to feel what we felt, and 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 how we got here, right? And and I, I look at the whole. You know, I wrote a song one time called "Blame It on the Bee Gees." <laughs> Simply because because. In you know, like 1977 and 79, when, when that whole uh, 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 night fever thing came out, right? I was playing with my band, man. We was doing this club, like, you know, six nights a week, right? All the girls showing up, and the club owner was brilliant. Because what he did was he would let all the girls in from 7.30 to 9.30, and no guys could get in the club. So we were the, we were the only dudes in the club on the band, uh, on the stage. And, and they'd be getting drunk, and we have them dancing, and they're going, and they, they couldn't wait till the guys got there. So when the guys got there, these girls would grab those dudes and pull them in and pull them on the dance floor and stuff like that. It was crazy. It was a brilliant move. But only thing, <laughs> it was great. I love this guy. But, but, <laughs> but so we, we doing this six nights a week, right? And so uh, I'll never forget when, when, when uh, that record came out, uh, Saturday Night Fever, right? So... The club owner calls us and he said, hey, hey Skyler, you know, I need to talk to you guys after the gig tonight. I said, okay, everything cool? He said, yeah, yeah, we'll talk. My nerves is wrecked now. I thought we, you know, so we get back there. He, go, he goes, hey, man, you know, I'm going to have to let you guys go. I said, man, this is crazy. You got a line out the door every night. Why are you going to let it go? He goes, you know, I had this guy in there the other night, this this DJ guy. And he was playing this music, this this night fever thing, and, it's, and everybody's going crazy, and the places are packed, you know what I mean? I'm paying you guys $500 a night, and I paid this DJ $50. It's just business, right? And so he, he, he fired us, man. <laughs> he fired us. And that was the end of the whole era for musicians making money in clubs, is when that record came in, because now it went to DJs, right? And people spinning records. It put a lot of musicians out of work, right? And so it really hurt my feelings. So then I moved to Hollywood, you know, and I got down there and started, man, I had to go get a job driving a truck for a stationary company and stuff like that, right? And that went on for two years until I auditioned for the Commodores. And I went down to Alabama and auditioned and I, I replaced Lionel Richie in the Commodores. So then, you know, I got to travel to 31 countries, you know, uh, singing all his songs. But then after a couple of years, I said, man, this is cool and stuff, but I'm still like a top 40 singer. You know, nobody's ever going to discover me because I'm singing somebody else's songs. So then I go and tell, I go and tell these young people all the time, who's inside of you? Let's find out who's inside of you. Write your feelings down. Let me show you how to put a melody on that, right? And then you become your own sound. You know, it's, it, it, there's a movie, I think it's called uh, 20, feet from, 20 Feet from Stardom. So you got the background singers, you got the, whoever the, the star is up there. You know, 
and they make more money than you, but they're doing the same thing you do. It's only because they're doing original music. And so if you ever want to move up, you're going to have to have some courage and start writing your own music, become your own entity, right? Yeah, man. Man, yeah, I agree. You said a lot of stuff there. Um, I think it's really important. And, it, and I think it's going in the direction of something I want to ask you about is, um, you know, music for global change, because you've spoken a few times about, you know, having the courage to write about, you know, some of the global problems or what you're feeling or things like that. And one of the things that I've said before, when people have asked me on different podcasts and interviews is like, well, what do you think we should do to change the world? And I said, one of the most powerful forces is music and the lyrics that are coming in there because I've studied hypnosis and brain programming and, uh, you know, mass persuasion. I didn't, and it originally started because I didn't understand war and I wanted to figure out how the world war started and what kind of psycholo- you know, psychology they would use to make people kill other people because we don't want to do that. You know, 99% of us do not want to do that. We don't want to harm another person. Um, we might get mad at them, but we definitely don't want to pull the trigger. And if you watch the movie uh, Men Who Stare at Goats, they, they found that people would, the, the soldiers would shoot a few feet higher than the enemy's head. And that's when they came out with the silhouette, I believe. And so they would just take away the face of the person to teach them to hit the body. And so, you know, when you're hearing these lyrics in the club and all through the radio, Canada, U.S., there's just all this, you know, perpetual nonsense like, you know, get drunk, shake your booty, you know, um, you know spinning wheels or whatever nonsense. It's, and it's pure garbage. That I got upset. I'm going to bring it up now. That Kanye song with Little Pump. You know that one? He, the, the direct lyric, you should listen to it because it's awful. Um, but it basically says, the lyric is this, use a hoe, I love it. And it repeats that one line over and over with all this other stuff. Like that's how you, hypnosis, one of the strategies is repetition. So it repeats that. Like what does that do to the consciousness of a whole group and era of people and so it seems like some of what you're advocating for is, is lyrics that have meaning, that have soul, that have purpose. And the power of that to be mass distributed, I feel like, you know, people really need to understand how much of a shift that would make in our consciousness. And then you go into TV and other different things, but, you know, music especially because that's, one, that's what it's for. That's where music came from. That's the, that's, and, and we're losing that. And, and it's been getting way worse the last 20 years, as I'm sure you've witnessed. Yeah, yeah. Well, like my heroes in this was, see, back, back, back in that time in the, in the early 70s and stuff like that was Marvin Gaye. So Marvin Gaye was doing the same thing. He was, like I was doing, singing a lot of love songs, all that stuff like that. And then I'll never forget it was the Vietnam War. Uh, Barry Gordy was the, you know, the president of Motown Records. And he said, well, what kind of concept do you want to go at now? And, he, and Marvin said, hey, man, I got to write something about this war, man. He said, well, man, wait, hold on. Those girls are going crazy over you, man. I, why would you do that? You're going to mess up your money. He said, no, man, I have to say something. I have to tell people what's going on. And that's the name of the record, what's going on, right? You can go listen, that record came out like 45 years ago. You can go listen to that record now. And I I encourage the young people to go listen to it right now because the lyrics that he's talking about back then 
is happening right now, right? That guy was a prophet. If you go listen to the what's going on and mercy, mercy me and all the, the lyrics, you know, fish full of mercury, all of that. He's talking about the environment, all of that in that record, right? And then, and then you got John Lennon, right? Imagine, right? And he was with the Beatles, but he got bigger when he started writing lyrical, con uh, conscious, uh, lyric, you know, lyrics. And, and then you got Bob Marley, right? So those were my heroes at that time. Because, and, and you look at U2. Yeah, they were big, but when they started writing lyrics about how to change some of this social conscious stuff that's going on, some, some of this, you know, you, you got to bring it out, bring it out, let, let, let people see what's going on. And see, music is the number one language in the world, right? You know, way before internet, music could reach everywhere. So that's how we got to use it. And so for me, you know, I got to this point where I said, okay, man, I, man, all these, young, all these, well, well I'll tell you what my, what my mom used to say to me, if you want to get attention, let everybody zig and you zag. That's how you get attention. You do something totally different than everybody else. Wear something. What are they wearing tonight? Oh, they're going to have a, t put a suit on, right? If you do something different, you get noticed. So I said, okay, uh, for, it took me six and a half years with, have you ever heard a band called Sly and the Family Stone? Uh, I don't know. It sounds a bit familiar, but I'm not sure. You've heard them, but you probably, they, they had tunes like, I want to take you higher, or I'm everyday people. Oh, you know yeah. That? Okay, that's Sly and the Family Stone. <laughs> nice. Well, he was, a, he was a hero of mine at 10 years old. He was a DJ. And he, he, I remember, I'll never forget, he announced, you know, I got a new band, you know, and everybody's like, man, you're a DJ. You can't sing. I'll never forget him saying that. And this dude turned out to be the biggest funk star ever, right? But, but the trippy thing is, so I, I teamed with his sisters, his younger sister, to bring his band back out, Sly and the Family Stone. And, I mean, people were hanging up on me because, you know, he had a little problem, you know, with the thing. You know, he had a little problem. And so nobody wanted to hire him and stuff like that. You know, he wouldn't show up at the gig and all that. So I, I had people hanging up on me. I said, yeah, man, I got slide in the family. Poof. I wouldn't even get it out sometimes. Slide. Poof. You know, they was just hanging. They kept, they kept hanging up on me, man. So <laughs> it took me six years for me to find the right person that got it. And I found this agent in Florida. And he was a big slide fan. I mean, all over his walls, everywhere. What? You can, you can get I said, yeah, I'll introduce you to his sister. And we were teammates at the time to bring this thing out. And we wind up bringing him back to the stage for 13 gigs, right? Uh, 10 here in, U in Europe and, 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 and three in the States. And, you know, I, I got ridiculed, but then, you know what? I did it. You know, it's, it's, I did it. It's kind of like what's happening with, with Tiger Woods right now. He'll never win another championship. And then he wins, right? So you, you, you keep, try to keep, keep put people, try, try to keep putting people down. And they'll, they'll shock you. <laughs> you know what I mean? They'll make it happen, right? You can't give up. So I got him out. And I, I was listening. To, you know, I'm out there singing with him on stage and stuff like that. And I'm listen, really listening to the lyrics. Matt, back in the day, most of them songs only lasted three minutes. It was over, right? Some of these songs now long, right? But you had to get to the point, you know. And so I started listening to I'm Everyday People. I want to take you higher right? 
all these were positive lyrics. So once I finished that whole thing, I said, you know what? I'll, I want to go in that direction. I hear these kids, kids, hey, look, look at my pants. You know, look, you know, I shot somebody last night and all that kind of stuff. I'm like, wait a minute, hold on, hold on. So I said, okay, I figured out positive energy. I, I figured it out through lyric, lyrical content, right? So every time I go do a show and I let everybody do, the, do their lyrics, I say, okay, guys, you know what? I'm going to talk about something positive. That, that goes right over a lot of people here. You know, they don't show it on the news, none of that. So I get out there and I start saying positive things. And afterwards, man, we need more of that, Skyler. I, I go to Rwanda. And, and after I do my show in Rwanda, people coming up to media, hey, man, we need, that's what we need, man. We, we need more of that in our country. You know, you got the Jay-Z and all these guys coming over here and, you know, Biggie's all, they're all talking about their pants and, you know, who, who, who they killed in the neighborhood. And that, you know, and here you come over here talking about how we can help each other, Skyler. Matt, I can't tell you how that made me feel. So I went into seriously writing after that. Another book I write about education, women's empowerment, the homeless, right? Uh, just so many styles of, of, of positive music. So when I go in and, and I speak to young people, I challenge them, right? And, and the, the, here's the other thing that I found. I, I would do this uh, like demonstration, right? And a bunch of musicians, college kids out there, and I go, and see some people just write lyrics. And then there's other people that just write music. But they don't communicate together. So I would do this. I come out, I, I check it out. Hold on, hold on. How many people just write music? I mean, people just writing lyrics. I'll be back in 20 minutes. Go shake each other's hand. And they writing each other. And, and, and I always get this thing about two days later. Hey, Skyler. And it's just something about this, the way they say, hey, Skyler. I already know they wrote a positive song, right? Yeah, I got with this guy, you know, that night. And hey, we writing together. And it's liberating, right? Because, you know, the, the lyrics, and I can't write no music. And the, and the guy writing music, he can't write no lyrics. But if you bring them together, man which I was doing, man, it just opens up this whole paradigm of positivity. So my thing when I moved from over there, over here, which is a little, little over 300 million Americans, there's 960 million uh, Europeans, right? A billion Africans, a billion Chinese, a billion Indians, right? And so what I say, okay, what if I go to these different countries Go find these people playing totally different instruments that I know the kids at home have never seen before. But then they can put their beat on it. And man, that caught on. So what Music for Global Change was, that's a, what that thing is about, is I want to introduce all these, like this. We have this kind of Zoom and Skype. You know, I've written, I don't know how many songs on Skype, but my partner, this key, he, he over there with his keyboard, I'm writing lyrics, right? We, I mean, we, we can do that, it's free, right? So I go and get musicians from Switzerland, producers from Switzerland, and then I've been on over 2,500 records. So I know a lot of people in music. So I go get my singer friends all over there in the United States. I say, hey, man, you wanna write with this guy? And I get them on Skype together and they start writing. What's cool about that, Matt? Here you are inviting me, and God bless you for that, brother. Check it out. I don't know all of all your friends. Right? right now, you're introducing me to all your, your friends. And I, I can't thank you enough for that. But at the same time, 
when I hit my friends, they meeting you for the first time. So we starting a whole new fan base, right? A whole new fan base. And if you look at it, okay, look, let's look at Toronto. That's where you're at, Toronto? Yeah. Okay, okay. if we just took 100,000 people in Toronto, how many, how many million people you think is in Toronto? I should probably know that. I don't know. I think it's like two million. I'm not okay, sure. I have to Google it. <laughs> okay, but, but okay. Say we just took a hundred thousand of them, right? And so now a musician goes, "Hey, man, if I can go and ask a hundred thousand people for ten dollars, that's a million dollars. You didn't need, you didn't need the two million. That's just a hundred thousand. So if you can go get a hundred thousand people and just like, hey Matt, will you spend ten dollars with me just once a year? If I went out and got a hundred thousand people, that's a million dollars a year. See what I'm saying? So I start thinking to myself, there's got to be at least a billion musicians on the planet, right? And I'm saying this live with you right now, although I got some people helping me put it together. But music, we can take care of each other. Because if there's a billion musicians and I went to, I'm just talking about, okay, let's just get the ones that are playing the nightclub. So I, I go to a guy and say, hey man, how many, how many drinks you will have tonight? Um, you know, I might have like, you know, three or something like that, right? I say, well, you, you think you'd spend about $25 a week on drinks at the club? Oh yeah, way over that. I ain't talking about the alcoholics, <laughs> <laughs> right? Okay, so I say, check it out. If you gave me 25 bucks a month times a billion musicians, that's $25 billion. Think about all these people out of work, right? Think about, oh, I broke my guitar. We can help you get your guitar, right? Uh, think about you died and your family can't pay for your funeral. We can pay for your funeral. We can take care of each other with this kind of co-op thing that I'm creating around music for global change. That's 25 bucks a month, right? Something happens to you and you're, you know, I can't work no more and say, hey man, we can take care of each other. 25 billion a month, we can take care of each other. Why are you waiting on a record label? We can go get our own studios and start our own record labels. Stop waiting on somebody to come help you. How's that sound? Wow, man, it sounds like some sort of like global music union and uh, like music for global change. That's why, yeah, <laughs> that's a, yeah, you, your name is much better than the way that my mind is putting it together. Um, <laughs> but you know, it's interesting because some of the comments you're kind of making is just like the, the basic premise is that music brings people together. You know, you talked about the, the people who write music versus the people who um, write lyrics, you know, bringing them together letting them communicate because it's two people coming together to create something. And one of the things we haven't touched on yet, but is really interesting is like you have two, um, uh, both your grandparents um, come from different interracial backgrounds and you live through all that kind of stuff. And racism has been, you live through a lot of that racism, a lot of that stuff, and it still exists today, you know, and we have society is, is basically built on separating us through different ways. I'm tall, you're short, black, white, uh, different culture, different language, you know, and because they're separate, let's not communicate. And everything that you're, you have learned and experienced through music is people coming together, 
being in community, you know, the band interacting with the audience as one thing, the band taking care of each other, taking care of other bands, you know, and I see it as in sport where the challenge I see in sport right now is all about, you know, my local team beats your local team. My kid is better than your kid. You know, there's one champion when it's just like, you could think of it in a totally different way and be like, this is my town. It's an opportunity to meet the people and the community in the other town. It's just a different view. You know, and what you're doing is like, that's naturally what music always did. And so it's like you're almost uh, advocating for, you know, keeping the soul of music because it's starting to disappear through um, just cultural change. Yeah, technology. Yes. So when you talk about the racism, see, I I don't know racism. I mean, and I've I've been called the N-word all over the place. I used to live in Winnipeg, you know. And uh, I've, I've been called all up north. You know, you don't have to go all the way to the south for that stuff. Uh, people look at your skin color and judge you, right? But uh, my father's mom was Irish and Cherokee Indian. And the Cherokees are down in the Oklahoma area, right? And then my mother's father was French and Choctaw Indian out of Mississippi. And, you know, so I have all these cultures inside of me and so my, my grandparents always talk taught me about you know if you care somebody if you care for somebody it doesn't matter how they look none of that it's about feeling how do they treat you right and so when people start talking racist stuff to me that I, I think they're ignorant and I call them out on it right uh, because if you we went and got every race of kids took them to a park and they're six months old or seven months old. Put them out there on the, on, the, on the grass. They'll never ask each other what color they are. And they're all playing. See, it's the elders teaching these kids that ignorant. And stop, we need to stop that. That's like a treadmill. You need to stop that going, right? Because nobody cares. You know, if, 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 if your buddy is, is, is black and all your friends say, hey, man, why come you hanging with that dude? I hang with him because he treats me well. I got people in my own race that don't treat me well. Are you kidding me? That, that can happen in any, any race. There's good people and there's bad people and, and, and people with bad intentions. But the, see, the only thing that we have that's really a beautiful thing and that, the thing that we have to grow the most is because more people want to get along than people that don't. And we have to keep sharing that and grow that, right? And, and you know, I got this thing where I do you know, you, you go somewhere and everybody's complaining and yeah, yeah, doing all that. And, and I go in and say, hey guys, you know what? We can do this and this happens and all that. That canceled out all the negativity. See what I'm saying? Let them, let them talk all that. And then you, you go, man, I saw this thing the other day. We, we can help each other with this. And, and then everybody goes, yeah, I saw something like And then it changes, it changes the whole attitude. Positivity can drown out negativity if you use it like that. So that's why I use uh, uh, my lyrics to heal, educate, and solve problems. But I do it around just amazing instruments. And so now that I'm on this side, I, man, I'm so excited about going to different countries and finding instruments I've never heard before and then figure out a way to put my groove on top of it, stuff like that, right? And uh, the song that I have out equal right now, I basically started that out with a tabla from India. And I can take the tabla to the ghetto where I'm from, and those kids go, what the hell is that? I like that, right? 
So bringing in all these instruments, because I've never been to a place on the planet that didn't have music, see? So, so yes, man, it, it's important what I'm saying with music for global change, because I, I want to figure out how we can take care of each other where we, we stop waiting and depending on other people to help us, right? We can do that for each other, you know, when you go to a, when you go to a store, you know what I mean? You got somebody behind the cash register. You're not doing that job. You, everybody has their own purpose. And that's how we take care of each other through our own purpose, right? And so I want to be a fireman. Well, that's nothing, you, nothing you're thinking about, but you're going to need that person. And we need you for what you do, right? That's what makes us unique. That's what makes us, you know, this web that we, that, that's what makes your web stronger for all the things that we do. That's amazing, man. I, th I think that's a really incredible idea and project. And um, one of the ways I kind of thought about it is when you go to like Vice or something, they'll go to very obscure spots and they'll get the history. And it'd be so interesting with those instruments, you know, like where they come from to know the history of it and, yeah. to, and to bring them back. And it connects cultures. You know, we have war with other countries, you know, but it's not the individual. It's not the citizens usually that are saying, um, you know, there's some old, there's some countries that have been like battling for years, you know what I mean? But like, you can kind of let that go, especially through music. And most countries like, oh, you can bond through something. Sometimes it's through sport. That's my, you know, background, but music is, is global. And so yeah. if you've got one musician and another musician and you're sharing and educating and you see the history of where the instrument came from, how they used it, how they bring community together, that's the important piece. And so then the idea now is this is like we have this cultural idea that gets impressed upon us. This is like your culture is versus my culture. So my guitar is better from your you know, whatever the case you have is, right? Rather than fusing them together, understanding the cultures, and then coming together. That's exactly right. And, and I love that word, fusing together. Because, you know, we can bring all these, these instruments on stage and let them all play together. That's a different sound. You know, and, and, and it's world. You know, I just want to open it up to all the children in the world to have a chance to do what you love, you know, and, and we inspire them because, you know, there's things that I want to take out. I did an article one time about the things that I want to take out of music since, since this whole, you know, it's been, it's been where music's not only been diluted, you know, but it's, it's coming to an end in the industry. It's, it's in peril, right? And so it, if we're going to start over again in the music business, then let's take out the things that was wrong in the first place, like racism in music. Take image out of music and then take age discrimination out of music, right? Because what you was talking about before, uh, the thing about it is it doesn't matter how old you are, right? I, you know, it's a trip because some of the old groups that you might know that you like when you was a you, you don't even hear about them no more. And some of them could be out there still performing, but then the radio won't play because they judge them on how old they are, right? That's wrong. Music is something you listen to. It's not something you look at, right? Take image out of music because maybe some unattractive child, right? And we judge them on that and we didn't listen to them and they might've been the next 
Beethoven or Tchaikovsky, but we judge them on the way they looked. That's wrong to me. Age discrimination. If you got a piano and you take the kid up and you say, son, this is the key of C. Can you hit that key? Boom. And class, what does it sound like? Sound, what does it sound like? The key word, right? That's the key of C. You take an 80 year old man, come up, sir, would you get the key of C? Boom, class, what does it sound like? Take age discrimination out of music because it's how does it make you feel? That's how music is. It, it, music is, it, is an emotion. How does it make you feel, right? Uh, so, and then, like I said, with, with the technology thing, right? I, I don't want to take that away from the, the young people, but it's not fair that they don't let, a, let that, that they don't go back and hear where this all started. And humans have a different sound. And I said this the other night when I was doing this radio show. If, say, say we, let's go out and play some blues tonight. Okay, and we play tonight, now it's cool, yeah, it's still good, you know. Then tomorrow night, let me step on your foot before you go on, the, on stage. It sounds different. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's gonna sound different, bro. Oh. <laughs> That's real. Yeah, man. Yeah, you know, I, I totally agree. And I, and I just see all these like, um, you know, themes throughout this, how it just, it it matters on a global scale and it also matters on like a micro scale within the communities and different things and you know from my experience of you know north america canada and the u.s and how people um um experience music today is very very different than it would have been um each decade 10 years 20 years 30 years four years 40 years and there's a lot of uh, missing elements of what we what we have going on today so i think that what you're speaking about is is really important and my my favorite part is the positive lyrics um but also have an understanding of you know if you can go to these different cultures different parts of the world create an understanding it also creates an interest for all the other musicians around the world just to see something else you know people do it in different ways like i said sport but also food is one of them people who really you know enjoy food they go to the different spots but then it becomes you're you're seeking understanding right when you're when you're you're curious you see you want to know about their culture their history um what they go through how they think and that's wonderful we should be seeking understanding from each other you know rather than that's different i don't like your guitar you know we should shoot you just in case you come over here you know <laughs> it's very different don't play with your my kids and your kids there's there's all these subtle things in there that that get experienced through what you're talking about so i think it's really powerful stuff um the last thing i want to make sure that i asked you about was um you touched on it a little bit at the beginning but you said you have a project in africa i was just curious what that was about yeah I'm, you know i'm working on a project where this foundation is interested in my uh schools around positivity right uh because I want to go into all kind of, there's so much talent on the continent of Africa, but then they don't have any administration. They don't have any record labels. Portugal neither, I, 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 I play in Portugal and there's so many great musicians. Guys play three and four instruments, but there's no outlet for them, right? And so that's why this whole Music for Global Change project, project is about that. Because I want uh, the kids over in America to hear all these great musicians on the other side of the earth, right? And matter of fact, I used to have a radio show myself and with a friend of mine, Denise Newton. And, you know, I, once a month we would bring on an act from Europe, 
right? And once we get them on, people go, wow, I never heard of them before. There's a reason for that. Because there's so such, such an abundance in North America of talent over there, they can't even get all the people in over there, right? But it's wrong to me that I can drive all the way through Europe and hear all the North American music that I want on the radio, I can channel surf and all that stuff like that. But it's not fair that, like, you know, in Europe you got the Beatles, you got Sting, you got Rolling Stones and, you know, Seal and, you know, Sade, you got, you know, but it's trickled down. But it's so many amazing musicians on this side that, you know, and, and, and I, I helped produce with a friend of mine, Urs Wizendanger, is a, he's a producer, one of the biggest producers in Switzerland. And he asked me to come over and help him produce this sister. Uh, she's half Nigerian and half Swiss. And I went over there and did that, did like four songs and stuff like that. And then we got him out and I had her on my radio show. And so this promoter got in touch with me and said, Scott, you're about to be famous, man. I said, like, what are you talking about? He said, man, you, do you know most Europeans dream of an American even hearing their music? And then the bell went off, ding. I need to make that happen. So that's why I'm going to get singers from that side to write with musicians from this side and vice versa and open up this whole new fan base, right? Bypassing all the record labels. You know, like, like I said, you'll need 100,000 people at $10. That's a million dollars, right? So just go at these small groups, 100,000 people. Both you guys get together and go, hey, buy my music and then I buy your music. We're taking care of each other. Pretty simple. <laughs> makes makes perfect sense. Yeah, and I really like it, you know, and I think that uh, what you're t doing in Africa is super important, like, uh, you know, to to bring education and ability to get it out there. I have a few friends that are musicians and, you know, the, it is a big issue. They've asked me because I have a marketing background as well. They're like, you know, what would you do to like play music? And, and for me, you know, growing up like a skateboarder, snowboarder, things like that is there was never a lot of money in it. So I was like, well, do it for the love, first of all. Um, if you do it and you hone your craft, there's going to be a way that you can create a living from it. Um, but the way that it, the industry is now, it might not be uh, what it used to be. So we're, the, the whole industry is going to need to adapt. You know what I mean? And if people can make a living, you might not, you know, it doesn't need to be Justin Bieber making $200 million and he's on the radio globally. But if we can use, you know, real fans, real people, real talent um, in ways that support the music, the craft, the message, then that is a very powerful idea. Yeah, it is. It, it, and, and it's easy to do. See, I'm going to go over there and I'm going to start my after school programs where, uh, you know, school's not fun. You're there till three o'clock. It's not fun, right? <laughs> but, but, but in order to keep, I know a way to, we can keep those kids safe after school by doing jam sessions after school, right? So, you know, you, you, you bring your instrument after school from, from three o'clock to 6.30, you know, you bring all your instrument. Now you got all these kids coming after school to jam with each other, right? And this is taking kids off the street, streets where they can get into mischief, right? Hey, I'm going to jam tomorrow. And then Steiner had some people show up that, that was famous and they saw us and some of us got discovered and all that kind of stuff like that. But if I start these after school programs everywhere, they're jam sessions where you, after school, you just go, I don't care if you bring in a cowbell or a 
tambourine, but because it's that social thing together. You know what I mean? And I, I talk about this all the time, man. Put that for I, I don't, I, you know, I barely text. I'm, I'm not a techie guy, right? But I see these people walking down the street. You see them, you see the map when you go downtown? They all do it. They're walking like this. And they're walking into each other and bumping into each other. Stuff like, we didn't have none of that, right? We actually had to talk to each other like this, man. You know what I mean? So that's more personable to me. Put the, put the, put that thing down and, and talk to me as a human being and let's go get some other people involved. And it, it, that's what we got to do. We got to get people back involved and then turn off that proper, proper, propaganda, uh, uh, the, the boob tube, turn that thing off, man. Right. Get a bunch of fruits and talk about it, you know, talk, and then go in there and talk about something that's positive. Right. Go, go talk about some, this is what we could do. Here's a solution, right. Instead of the problem. Anybody can talk about the problem, that's easy. What's the solution? That's where I'm at, brother. I agree so incredibly wholeheartedly. You know, there, it reminds me of this quote that uh, I forget who said it, but it's like never underestimate what a small group of people can do because it's uh, um, the only thing that's ever changed the world. I've, I've butchered the quote, but I think people, you know which one I'm talking about? Yeah. What is yeah. it called? What's that? What is it called? Um, I'm going to look it up. Uh, never okay. underestimate what a small group. There we go. I'm going to bring it up so I say it correctly. I know the idea. Um, oh, okay, it's Margaret, Margaret Mead. I never doubt that a small group of thoughtful, committed, committed citizens can change the world. Indeed, it's the only thing that ever has. And so, you know, that's the concept that you're, you're talking about. And like, you know, if you had five buddies you know, that they're musicians, they create a song. And then all of a sudden, one of those songs reach 100,000 people or a million people, and it has a positive message that counts. If you come together 10 people in your community, you don't have to change the whole world, you might change the community for, you know, your 50,000 people, 100,000 people, 200,000 people who live there by creating an after school program by creating some sort of park where you give an opportunity for the kids to grow and learn something, meet the parents like that's good. That's interacting with your community. That's improving the quality of life for the people that you are around. Yes. You know, and it, but it requires you being uh, social enough to get off your phone to have a reason to come together, you know, and integrate into society what's actually happening in your reality um, rather than always tuning out. And the thing is, I, I also think one of the themes we're talking about is when you tune out on the boob tube or, or radio, the mainstream now, um, in Buddhism, they call it mental nutriments. I just mm -hmm. call it brainwash. You know, if, if, if in my ear, it just says murder, 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 kill, drink, drink, murder, kill, that affects my consciousness. It can't. I have to understand. And that's literally what's happening on television, radio, and news. It's the, it's the theme. It's crazy. Exactly. I mean, when you watch the news, it's not about good news. <laughs> no. It's bad news. They, at the end of the show, they might say something, oh, this guy wouldn't help this lady across the street. So, I mean, you know, that they, so, but imagine if we had good news channels. How about that? You know what I mean? Like, oh, I'm tuning in because yesterday, you know, this guy told me how, you know, I always wanted to learn this thing. And this guy came on and told me how to do it. Right? I mean, I, I'll never forget uh, a dear friend of mine who he was the, uh, international marketer for Hewlett Packard and Hewlett Packard invented the computer, but he knew the guys who started Google. 
right? They were two buddies of his. So one guy goes to the other one. He goes, man, you know, we got all these servers over here. What are we gonna do with them? And the other one goes, why don't we just answer questions? They never got any dirt on their finger. None of that. Here, wow, brilliant, right? So, so after the first year, they barely, they like barely broke even with it. So they went to Yahoo and they said, hey guys, you know, we put a million dollars into this, man, but you know, we, we just broke even. Why, why, why don't you guys buy it, take it over, buy it, buy it back from us for a million dollars? And Yahoo turned them down. Now, now Google is bigger than Yahoo. So it's these ideas, you know, that's amazing. I mean, look, look, Paramount turned down Star Wars. You, you, you think that dude that made that decision still got a job? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So don't, don't never underestimate the power of positivity and, and, and how we can change the world. So, so like I said, with my after-school programs, I'm going to do that in the United States too. And on the weekends, bring, bring your kids out. And just, you can drop them off for three or four hours. Now you guys can go and have some fun together, the parents. And the kid, you know the kid's safe because they're in there jamming with everybody else and playing with it. And, and that becomes fun. You look forward to it every weekend. And that's what we had, you know what I mean? Uh, I, there's a, the Soweto Gospel Choir. I, I met these guys here in Edinburgh. And a beautiful gospel choir. And the guy found out what I did. And he said, said Skyler, my dad started this choir. And his, you know, we were all big all over the world. He said, but I'd love for you to come into Soweto and talk to the kids over here. Because do you know the kids can't take music until they're 18? Yes, that's how I, exactly how I looked. <laughs> that's crazy. He said, yeah, they can go learn it at, at, at a church or something like that. But Scott, I want you to bring your music programs into, you know, I mean, it might be a three-year-old. That might be like crazy, right? You can't do that to people. It's always people that don't play music figure this, this is a good thing we should do for, you know. No, man. Get as many kids to, you know, to go and pick up instrument, have fun together, and socialize, and, that, you know, talk to each other. It's nothing wrong with talking to each other. You know, you can, you, you can misinterpret something on the, on, on the, uh, on your uh, texting people or something like that. Well, why'd you say that? Oh, I didn't mean it. You know, what? Just, I want to hear your voice. I'd rather hear you lying to me than, than me reading it. You know what I mean? So we have to communicate with each other. We're human beings. It's, it's what we're supposed to do. So that's why I love bringing all kinds of people together in a room. And I'm telling you, man, I, it is the most beautiful thing to me when, when I have a lyricist, people to just write lyrics or people to come together. Because they never, I didn't, I didn't think about that. Let me go find a musician. For years, I just wrote lyrics. So my friends would give me music. And I, you know, I haven't listened to the radio, although I've been on many successful records. I don't listen to the radio, right? When I'm in my car, I don't listen to the radio. You know, because people give me music. I put the, you know, back then they had, what, what do you call it? The, the, the tape deck? cassettes and CDs. And stuff. I, put, I put them on and I'm listening to all this music this guy's got and I start singing over it, man. The next thing you know, I start writing some lyrics, right? And see, in every conversation, there's going to be several topics, right? People don't know I'm writing that topic down, especially if a whole lot of people got involved in that topic. You know, I write that down and I go, I'll take me about 15 type topics in my car 
right? I'm giving away my secrets right now, but <laughs> you know, but I, I take about 15, because the topic is, is basically the chorus, you know, the part that everybody sings that comes up in the song three or four times, right? So I take the topic and I lay it down right there and I put some tracks on it, you know, while I'm driving. If I start singing over it, and I look down, I go, wow, and I sing that, that topic, that title, man, I, I just started the chorus, chorus to my song, right? And then the verse is your opinion about the topic. I teach this stuff. And, and when I talk to my kids, wow, dad, wow, okay, yeah, I get it, yeah, yeah. You know, and a lot of times if you don't, if you don't put it together, I put it together like that because, you know, a lot of times I was, when I go to the studio, we was doing Mariah Carey and Boys to Men and different like that. They just set the lyrics up on the stand and you walk in. This is the first time anybody sang it, right? And they got the lyrics up there and shoot, man. Then somebody would call me up and say, hey, man, you know, that song you sang on, man, it's on the radio. Okay. It's a trip, man, because when I sang on the Titanic, uh, man, that was crazy because I was in my car and my friend would call me, hey, man, you on the radio right now. Really? And I turned it on. Whoa, whoa, man, you know. And they turned the channel on another station. Whoa, whoa, you know. Matt, you know, it's trippy because Celine's from Canada, right? Do you know uh, Will Jennings and James Horner wrote that song? And it turned out to be an experiment because James Cameron, the director of the film, he really didn't like a lot of vocals in his film. Right. But James Horner, who was his music supervisor, writing all the music, he had Will Jennings, his buddy, wrote some lyrics. And then they called Celine over. I'm giving you a scoop right now, brother. Okay, so, so he called Celine over. And so Celine goes over and sings the song, right? And so they go, wow, this is beautiful, man. And she's like, whoa, I'm loving it too. This is great. So they say, let's, let's play it for James Cameron. You the nerves is up because they, man, I don't, I don't know lyrics, right? But they played it for him. Not only did he love it, he said, I'm going to make this the cornerstone of my movie. So he weaved that song all through the movie, man, right? Now, here's the trippy thing, and this has never happened in the, in the music, in music at all. Celine goes, hey, guys, you know what? I'm doing my record right now. Do you guys mind if I put that on my record? Why not? Right? Because nobody knew how, how big it was going to be. Matter of fact, the, the producer who called me over to his house, and, and, and five of the other singers that I sing with all the time on a lot of records, right? We all, we all showed them, what are you doing? What are we doing here? What's, what's, well, how come everything's so covert? Because he wouldn't tell us, you know, he didn't want to tell us that Celine's going to be, maybe I, I would have charged him a little more. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so, so anyway, she goes, can I, can I put down on my record? So then she called my buddy and say, because I'm not singing on the one on the movie. There's no backgrounds on that. I'm singing on the one that's on Celine Dion's record. And this has never happened in the history of, of the Grammys and all that. So at one time, the, the song for the movie got up to number one. Celine records come in and it starts climbing the charts. And it got up to number two. This is the same song. It's never, that's never happened before. One without backgrounds and one with. Coke and Diet Coke. You know, so, 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 so you got that. Her, but this would happen, Matt. Hers with the background flipped one on, on the movie. And that became the number one song 
it was the record of the year, 1998, right? So now, man, they playing my backgrounds on the, on the Oscars and on the Grammys and the American Music Awards. And I'm hearing my background. I'm like, this is cool, right? And I'm getting these little checks coming in. You know, I'm like, whoa, this is cool, right? So do you know Celine made $52 million that year? She, she just sang on the song, man. She didn't write it. 52 million. So you can imagine what the writers, they'll, that one song, they'll never have to work again from that one song. But this is the crazy part. So we get into the control room, right? The, 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 my producer, pretty good. Hey, man, come on in, man. You know, he's, you know uh, James Horner called me, uh, man, and, and Celine, you know, they, they want to put backgrounds and stuff like that on there. They're trying to do the damn Titanic again. He said it just like that. Like, ain't nothing going to happen with it kind of thing, right? It turned out to make more money for him than he, because for the first six albums, man, he did all the music for all of Mariah Carey's records. She wrote the lyrics. He made millions from that, right? This turned out to be bigger than all that stuff, right? And so one song, and Matt, after that, that sent me into craziness on writing. I'm like, man, I, man if I could just get the one song, <laughs> I'd be set for life. I'd go, I can go on vacation for the rest of my life. My only problem would be what color do I want that in? <laughs> you know what I mean? So that's that story of that, right? And um, like I said, man, th that inspired me to write. And, and I, that's why I go out and, and show these kids, you know, you get the right one out, you know what I mean? You take care of your family, right? If you get it out. But then, you know, look at, uh, look at uh, the guy who started uh, Apple Apple Music. Was was that a uh, Apple? Steve Jobs. Steve Jobs. Check this out. Let me show you how brilliant Steve Jobs was. Okay, so this is just my feelings about what happened with nine eleven, right? And I'm talking about my industry and what happened to my industry. So so when those towers went down and stuff like that. What, what's the first thing they do? They stop flying the planes, right? Well, in my industry, how are you going to get the, all the CDs over to the record stores if, the, if all the, if all the uh, planes stop, right? So that, that stopped. He peed on everybody with that because in them two towers, that's all the middlemen in the world, in those two towers. So in my industry, look on, look on your family budget. Where is music? It's way down here, man. You know what I mean? So musicians, now this is what happened. This is why they could get out of their, uh, their record deals. Because at that time, say you signed for seven years, right? But there was a breach of contract because the thing, well, thing about it, you go, you go okay, uh, listen, the, the record label was supposed to get my record out on this date. Uh, they told me I was going to be on tour by this date and all that. And that didn't happen. So musicians could get out of their contracts. Right? And they did. Here's the crazy thing. Say you and I owned a record label, right? And we had 10 acts. Maybe we got five of the acts in the studio working on their new records. The other five was on the tour. Well, think about all the groups that you had over in Europe. You can't get them home now. How about that? But you still got to pay for their health and welfare. So all the lawsuits start that is what took the industry down right there, all them lawsuits. And so here's steps in steps, Steve Jobs. And Steve Jobs go, hey, what's wrong, musicians? 
oh man, you know, I'm supposed to have my record out. They told me I was supposed to be on tour and all that stuff like that. He go, he goes, hey, you know what? I got all these servers over here. Why don't you just throw your song up for 99 cents until they figure it out? He made all the money. He was smarter than the record labels. So even though it was 99 cents, he was taking 30 of it. Imagine 30 of it times how many records was uploading from each musicians, right? So now you had to learn about the distribution. That's your distribution now. You can put it up where somebody can go find it. But Steve Jobs didn't tell, he didn't tell nobody your record was there. You still got to go tell your, your, your fans, hey, my record, you can get it over here now. So that's what happened to the music industry, you know, and that's why it's changed. And see, now that's why music, musicians can't hardly make any money. You know, 99 cents, you got to get a million people to make a million dollars, basically, right? So you have to figure out other ways to do that now, you know. And, but it's still, thank God, it's, it's still the best thing for you to go get in front of a crowd, you know what I mean, and make a living. This is what we didn't have before, Matt. So say you and I, we, we're on the stage and we're looking out and we play this song where we can see everybody like, oh, yeah, yeah, that's happening, man, that's cool. And you're looking at it and you go, oh, look at all that energy, right? Now you can go, hey, did you like that? Text me right now, you can buy it right now. You made another $700 right there. It, you know, instant gratification right there, right? From, from that person. And you remember, if you go to a concert afterwards, you know, you go stand in line because you want to get an autograph and have them sign your CD and stuff like that. Now, everybody got a cell phone in the palm of their hand, right? I can buy it right now. I never had to move from my seat. We didn't have that before. So I like some of the technology stuff. I just wanted to get back to the real sound. Man, thanks for having me, brother. I know. <laughs> yeah, man. Well, you know, yeah, it's been a privilege, dude. I really appreciate you coming on and, and uh, sharing everything you did and some background scoops. And I just love the themes, you know, weaving throughout. It's really just to bring about, like, it seems to be bringing back the soul and spirit of music, but that also is what connected community. It, you know, it transcended race and culture and all that stuff. And it's done so many beautiful things for humanity. And it seems like we're, we're in, in an age where music, is, at least mainstream music, is it's it's it on the mainstream. It's it's lost that soul and culture. It's gone uh, to something else, and uh, it's something that I noticed for a long, long time. And and I think that your initiative and your thoughts and philosophies, um, I hope, are spread because I think it's very, very important and very powerful. So, um, just thank you for coming on. Thank you for your work and projects and your intention and That's and right. and everything that you're doing. Um, is there anything that you want to leave the listeners with? Uh, where to find you? Any any closing thoughts? Yes. I'm at musicforglobalchange.com or I'm on Facebook, right? And uh, share love, spread love, and peace always. Just think about peace always, you know. Uh, put the guns down, put the knives down, right? And, you know, it's really easy not to hurt somebody else if you do it like this. Say we're standing in front of each other with a lot of energy and one person starts raising the level. All you got to do is move over two feet. They move over two feet this way, you move and start keep walking. You'll never see each other again. That's better than taking somebody else's life. You take somebody's life, your, now your life is done because you're going to jail. What did that accomplish you? 
right? Uh, so it's, it's easy. Two feet that way, two feet this way, keep walking. And the world is so big, you'll never see each other again. That's how we save each other, brother. Awesome, man. Well, thank you so much for coming on. I really, really appreciate you, man. We'll stay in touch. Thanks, bless everybody, you, for listening. Oh, bless you for having me, man. Yeah, and thanks. And bless all your fans. God bless you. Okay. Much Bye. love, bro. Skyler Jet, ladies and gentlemen, I hope that you enjoyed that episode, that you check out his project, Music for Global Change. I absolutely resonate with everything that he spoke about. I, I know that it can create a massive impact on the planet. I have a lot of respect for him for, you know, taking his time, his energy, and his talents to really focus on something that he knows that matters, that can t- make a massive difference. So um, go check him out, support his work. Um, thank you guys so much for listening. If you want to support the show please share on facebook share on instagram helps tag me let me know where you're listening i love to see all the listeners from around the world so um, that always helps tossing a buck in the bucket on patreon helps immensely thank you so much to all my patrons um and the best and most important thing you can do is one act of kindness today if you want to support the podcast for those for those of you who want some coaching some one-on-one or you want to go through some of the programs i've developed over the years in peak performance um, how to uncover your life purpose and actually create a life in balance where you're not having to escape from it that you're so inspired to create your life purpose your life vision and you have the steps and the strategies and the tools to do that so if that sounds interesting let me know hit me up and as well as those peak performers those ceos those people looking to get that extra you know inch that extra um just point one you know in peak performance in sports it really comes down to micro bits and so how do you really get into flow state peak performance and mindfulness um you know all of these tools are, are quite simple they're just not very common knowledge and you need how to apply them correctly and go through and do the work so if you're interested in any of that or you want me to speak to you or your organization or group um, just hit me up at matt at zenathlete.com and i would happy be happy to hear about you your story your organization to dive deep and uh co-create together it's always such a beautiful experience and uh for me and you know usually i get pretty great feedback um but yeah i, I always really enjoy it and, and so do the people because uh working with people and just synergizing to create what it is that we're passionate about is such a beautiful thing. So um, thank you guys so much for listening to this episode. Go have a wonderful day. I invite you to do one kind act and um, let's close this up with a state of peace and coherence. So wherever you are, just stop what you're doing for a moment. Take in a deep breath in through your nose. Hold that breath and just let it out slowly. Filling yourself with energy, with peace, with contentment, with passion, with energy ready to take on the rest of the day we'll see you in the next episode peace